Welcome to another pint with Shawnee B coming to you from sunny Cannes in the south of France. We're in a bar called Jane's Bar, which is just off the Croisette. We've got a very interesting guest here who I'm hoping is going to tell us all about what's going to happen in the future. He's one of the top digital specialists for the past three decades he's been working. And he's my first Swedish guest on the podcast, would you believe? Amazing. I'm very pleased to welcome Anders Valquist. Did I get your name right? You got it. Nearly right. right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, with a nice uh, Irish touch to it. Yeah. So Anders uh, works for a company called Be Real, uh, which actually, believe it or not, was set up, I was just doing some research last night, in 1999. Yes. Which freaked me out because that was almost before the internet existed. So were you some sort of seer that you were able to predict what was coming? We set it up in Sweden, Stockholm, where we, where we are from. And uh, I guess that the internet was uh, pretty widespread there. Yeah. It was to our advantage. So, right. obviously, seven, six, seven years after Netscape browser yeah. and uh, www was set off, and uh, there were programs in Sweden to make sure that every kid had a computer in school and so on. So people actually used the internet in a way that many countries did a couple of years later. Mm. So maybe we saw tendencies to what would happen yeah. very early on. I mean, it's something to do with Sweden, right? Because, I mean, uh, one of my big bugbears in the world is that countries don't look to the Scandinavian countries of Denmark, Sweden, Norway, even even Iceland, the way they handle their, their collapse. They're socially run countries. You yes. pay very high taxes, yes. but, every, but people have great lifestyles. And it's a, good, it's, a, it's a good example of socialism working, would you say? Yes, I think so. I mean, coming from Sweden, you wouldn't think when while there that it's a socialistic country. No, yeah. But thinking about it, how much of the GDP that is actually run by the state yeah. and how much is secured by the state, uh, yes, it is. What part of Sweden were you brought up in? I was uh, brought up in the south, uh, in the middle of the very dark pine tree forests. Ah. That is uh, where every farmer has to fight a lot for the land because you have the forest and you have lots and lots and lots of stone in the ground. Right, like so, Ireland. Like Ireland, probably. Yeah. I in Ireland, they used to take Ireland. the stones out of the... Uh, and then make the walls with the stones. Is that exactly. You did the same Ex- thing? Yeah, exactly the same thing. And it's a stingy part of Sweden, too. So Iran right. has been very stingy because, I mean, yeah. you can't grow so much there. Uh, so, so were your parents farmers? No, they no. were not. Uh, they were teachers probably the only ones that didn't work for Ikea, the <laughs> furniture giant that was also born to yes. the same little village. It's called Elmhult. Elmhult. Elmhult, yeah. And what was it like for you growing up there? It was amazing because Elmhult being the, the seat of a multinational company with very special ways of operating, there were people coming from all over the world, working there for a couple of years, bringing in some culture, ideas. and then going on ideas. Yeah. Uh, their kids went to school, they came from yeah. somewhere else in the world, and so there was huge uh, wave of influences coming. And it, IKEA may have sown the seed because I know you've, I've read some of your interviews. You're very, you're very big on this, and we'll maybe talk about it later. Idea that you should look after your staff and, and, and you know take yeah. care of people, which is IKEA's kind of way as well, right? Yes, absolutely. I mean, uh, the founder of IKEA, Ingmar, is still around. He moved mm. back to his hometown now. And he's a hugger. He's, a, he's talking to everyone. He's yeah. interested. Yeah. He wants to know what you what you think about what is happening. Yeah. Even if you're a 21 year old intern, and he's running this mega billion dollar conglomerate. It's the biggest three. biggest company in Sweden by a long shot, right? Yes. Yeah. So were your parents teaching you in school? 
luckily not. No, no. It's very awkward. Were you always bright? Were you always an ideas guy when you were young? I was always an ideas guy who came up with the games, party ideas, and I traded with records. I was like heavily into music, and I was DJing all the time, and I connected people, and right. so on. So, yes. Did you go to college? I did, yes. I studied uh, marketing and, uh, and business business administration on the marketing communications. And side. then there was this story about some guy, f- you, you, you started working with some famous business guy in, in Sweden. I, I had a lot. I didn't know at all. I went out of school, I didn't think that I learned anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's all natural what you learn when you, study, you. when you study business. It's like, so I started to apply for the toughest jobs you can find in Sweden, and that was one of the mythical jobs where you uh, work with this uh, uh, really cool, glamorous, uh, super intelligent uh, founder of a media company. So he had uh, an, an intern or an assistant working for with him for a year. Right. And then if he didn't like you, you were kicked out, and then right. he paid for you to go to Harvard or something. And I really wanted to go to an American MBA. Wow. Obviously a good thing. So How so did you I, get that? <laughs> I had the job. I don't know. I... Um, Kind of, uh, I was I was probably lucky. <laughs> I sent my application by email, right? And I think I was one of the very few that did that. So yeah. they had uh, two, three thousand applications, and I don't think that many came by email. It's totally right. new to like yeah. communicate business wise with email. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what did he teach you? He taught me a lot of things. He said, "Okay, Anders, people think that I understand everything, that I know everything. What is happening in this ten thousand people?" industry uh, or company and obviously I don't when I feel that something doesn't really line up this is something weird I dig and dig and dig and dig and dig until I, I come to the to the core of it and if it if it looks weird there will be something weird at the end right. but you have to ask 15 people maybe to come to there because everybody will defend what is what is the status quo yeah. somehow but if something works then I don't look at it at all. Right. And then I have a good memory. So I look, how did it look uh, last time I was here four months ago? How does it look now? What changed? Why did, why did it change? There's always a reason why things are happening. And you were in his inner sanctum, were you? You were his, like, uh, he, his, the guy who was managing his kind of... I mean, it's basically to be on call 24 hours a day. I was working in Sweden. He was traveling all the time, but mm-hmm. he, so he could call from any time zone. And it could be commenting on what was happening in the news just for him to get some get some feedback on, yeah. and, and some second thoughts of what was happening very very diverse but, but the interesting thing was uh, he's, he's dead now unfortunately died uh, way too way too young that he was a renaissance man so he could like go into very small details in design and and in, in, in furniture culture music business for sure, finance, everything. So to see somebody like that acting was was very cool because I was always waiting to meet somebody who would really, really impress yeah, me. Yeah. And, and, and he did. But also that he was very personal. So he ran this 10,000 uh, people company as it was his own, which he was very much critiqued for. But he did it with such a, a knowledge and, and feeling. So um, it, it really worked. And I think that is that you don't have to be wash away the, your personality to be a professional yes. and, 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 and a person. You don't have to be a machine. You can be a nice guy. You can be a nice guy. Yeah. He, he wasn't really. An, 
No, a lot he of the was marks, a really yeah. tough guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. he was warfare to make money, yeah. but he was also dynamic. So, like, yeah. he gave you support and so on. So, on. yeah. Now, one of the things that happens to people when they have this mentor who's, who's who they're learning so much from is that it comes time to leave the nest. How did you end that relationship, and why did you end it? I um, I ran his uh, microbrewery, set up the first microbrewery in okay. Sweden. And I wanted to be kicked out to go to school. Yeah. And uh, saw that okay, it's the saying like to to live close to the to the Caesar or is to is like sleeping with a tiger. You know, you can okay. be eaten, eaten up time. at any point. Correct. Right? So yeah. I realized it will not last forever, probably. Yeah. But he really wanted me to stay, so I took care of his pet project, which was a, a nightclub 24 hours a day, which he wanted to be like the rock bar in New York City, okay. where he loved to be. Then uh, it was a microbrewery, the first one in Sweden, uh, which was basically impossible to do because you had a monopoly for making alcohol and for selling alcohol. And yeah. So, but wow. he pushed that through. What happened then that you? So when you when you'd done this nightclub right. and the the microbrewery, were you getting itchy feet yourself, or what? Where, where, what was the spark that caused you made to go into advertising or the d- digital space? I was always focusing on the brand side of things and and how to position and and I loved uh, working with really really clever and uh, marketing and advertising consultants that we had then. Right. So tell me then what happened when you got into setting up your your business yourself and why. So we had a uh, clubs in the this nightclub. So I got to know uh, some of the founding partners that I now that we now started the Be Real company. With, okay. Right? And uh, I always loved their way of doing business because they were always super, super focused and uh, to to get to their goals, but in a very good way of getting friends in and, yep. and playing it straight with people. Mm-hmm. And uh, they had a production company, so uh, we were always in contact. And when I had uh, started this other brewery and it worked all right, I uh, we saw whatever was happening on the internet and we had the idea of combining the storytelling that they were doing, doing commercials and uh, very fast-paced youth TV content with what was happening on the web, uh, where uh, companies like Razorfish and uh, Icon Media Lab was around there, Lost Boys, which is now LBI, and so they boomed at that yeah, point 1999 yeah. and then they just went straight into the wall at yeah, 2000. 2000 and we started there end of 1999 just to to have fun and do something differently with really really great people that I, I love to work right. with so we started with the dot-com bust immediately basically first nobody had time to talk to us because right. they were so busy making money and looking at the stock uh, exchange. Then they had no time to talk to you because they were busy losing money. <laughs> exactly. They were, then they were busy uh, trying to save their businesses. Yeah. So we had to look elsewhere. So we, I think we made 500 visits uh, just to talk to people about what we thought, cold thought calling. was going to happen. Yeah, cold calling. And everybody wanted to talk to us because, uh, hey, we came somehow with ideas on, on the, of the future. But right. nobody had any budget for it. And I still think it's a little bit the same right now when yeah. you talk about the innovation and how now all the agencies, uh, they started their labs and they do really, really cool things. But it's not connected to any budgets with no. clients. So yeah. Was your enemy at the time the way the traditional agencies were or did you even know no. what that was? You, were, you, were, you, were you just guys going in with naivety and open eyes and yeah. passion? Or? Absolutely. No, so we didn't have... I mean, we, we uh, thought that advertising would be the last uh, area where 
internet and uh, basically video and, and film would come in and, and change. Corporate communications would be would be before and then entertainment before that. We didn't have any enemies because we were operating in, in a little bit of our own field. So we met with lots of companies directly and yeah. brands and we talked to agencies and we worked with whoever had came up with an idea that we can spin away and get get paid for. You now have six offices around the world, is it? Yeah. Yeah. But the, your growth burst started happening like, 10 years into your into your big growth burst started happening. Did was that a conscious decision or yeah, what, we, what, what I mean first it? we tried to figure out what to do in a really bad economy. Then we had a 2006, maybe seven, we work with all the big Scandinavian agencies and, yeah. and some big clients. You know, you're always looking for the new thing, and we were the new thing. Yeah. We realized that okay, we'll not be the new thing forever here, so yeah. we got to get moving. And then we went to the, we went to the states to get to pick up some prizes that we won for one one of the products, and we met with all the people that we used to see in Boards Mag and Ad Age. And, yeah. Was this a surprise so, to you? Yeah, it was a surprise that they actually that knew you were so we were that you were so kind of up the ladder. Yeah, they really knew what we were doing, many and they, they, they said, oh, yeah, we've been keeping our eyes on you for a while, and yeah, you do really cool shit. Can you come and do something like a breakfast talk or right. meet some people here?" Or, yeah, they were, it was surprising, yeah. and it was such a small world then because people who were kind of trying to do edgy stuff on the internet where they were few and far between so some guys in New Zealand and Austin some guys in London and yeah. guys, just spread around and although we never met we kept well, track on the internet each other was growing. stuff <laughs> yeah, yeah one of the quotes then, I like that you said which was whenever you're doing stuff never treat the internet responsibly or a word like yeah. that I like that quote because it, it sticks it stuck with me and I don't really understand <laughs> it that well so maybe explain that Good quotes should be a little bit. You should. Uh, yes, you I to, agree. You that's why. Close, that's why I brought it up. <laughs> you have to close the circle yourself, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, I think you really have to go in and 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 uh, and make it do things that is that is not supposed to, to yeah, it's great. do because it's 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 endless opportunities of a connected world and what you can yeah. do with it. But if you just follow the formats and you work within the limits that people have set up for it to create rules, then you're breaking the rules for it because that in its uh, in its creation it is without rules and it is boundaryless well, it, and so it, it, your, your quote captures exactly. actually very simply what Uber did and it captures very simply what Airbnb did Yeah, everyone goes oh we, we, let's do an Uber but mm. like, there was a time when there was no Uber and someone did an Uber because that could have been a taxi company or Airbnb could have been Hilton but they were probably caught in the confines of yeah but it's uh, I mean people are doing it and then there are always uh, lots of people who say that it can't be done yeah. and they should basically get out of the way yeah. right for those who are already doing yeah. it it's, it's, it's changed so fast and Uber is a great example of how yeah. the valuation and the, and the poignancy of, of an organization was I don't know when they started like five years ago yeah about that, five or six I'd say yeah. and uh, then of course the car makers looked at them and said hey maybe we can collaborate in some way let's do this together and the car makers went okay so uh, you'll get 10% we take 90 yeah. and then we don't need and, you and, and then they just like let's do it ourselves yeah. and then five years later Uber could buy you know one of the big one car, of the car makers, makers. <laughs> exactly with exactly. the cash that they have in hand right it's rare I have somebody on the podcast who has broken it's very hard to break the mold in music videos because <laughs> everything's kind of been done there all the way back to Michael Jackson and Frankie Goes to Hollywood but Be Real did 
a breakthrough video spot for Arcade Fire, the Wilderness Project. Why don't you tell me about that? So, um, first, there were a lot of people included. Chris Mill, Garen Coblin... Never the band done. itself. Sorry? <laughs> the <laughs> band itself, absolutely. No, but, uh, I mean, uh, we had a part of getting everything together on the internet. So it was a really, really good collaboration. But basically, uh, it came out as a small idea from Google for promoting the Chrome browser when it was released. And we had done some work before. There was no money in it. And then two people at Berea said, no, we can't do it. It will not give us enough we yeah. not earn enough money on it. Then we started looking at it and I said, shit, this is going to be really, really, really cool. And we can push the boundaries of what has been done in this field before. Mm. And uh, so it was a day and night from the team in, in New York uh, for, I think, two or three months. So the, the video is we, uh, we used to wait. Yeah. Explain it. So basically what it is, it's a guy running. Yeah. But the guy is running... In your neighborhood, if you put in where you come from, yeah, is that it's right? about going back to your childhood when yeah. everything was much clearer, right? So the idea is that you you give your address in, and then um, the video is playing out and being instantly created based on Google Maps and Google Earth data, and it's all rendered together into one consecutive movie that is personalized for you. It uh, taps into what is uh, what we wanted to create with internet. Uh, experiences when we started was to make internet emotional yeah. because it was not emotional at all it was only t- technical and as soon as you watch a TV screen it gets you somewhere it's a story being told and yeah. takes you from somewhere and leaves you somewhere else yeah. and you don't know where it's going and this was the first time I saw the first uh, demo or uh, the prototype hacked together of uh, We Used to Wait in the Wilderness Downtown I had goosebumps, goosebumps and yeah. I was I was I was teary eyed because it was so emotionally strong. It was like I was applauding. I it's funny you mentioned the word goosebumps because when I was writing creative briefs, that was one of the outtakes I used to put. What do we want people to feel? And I used to say no. goosebumps. And yeah. if you get people to feel goosebumps, you've got something. Yeah, but there's a few, very few uh, technological projects actually touches you uh, yeah. that that much emotionally and then and so uh, i want to talk to, uh, to you mainly as well about uh, your point of view on where all this is gonna fucking end uh you know people are talking about the singularity this is when robots finally become sentient stephen hawking and a lot of people are worried about this and the fact that it might creep up on us because we're just so capable of allowing that to happen what's uh, your view on the sort of 25 30-year look on, on all this? Um, I, uh, I actually think that uh, there will be that singularity will happen. Right. Yeah, it's just a matter of time. I think there was an experiment recently where um, you had a robot uh, or a computer watching videos of chess, chess players, really good yeah. chess players, and from not knowing anything about chess, just being set up in a way so it's learning yeah. uh, by itself. In two days, it beat the Grandmaster wow. from nothing. If you can do that, yeah. uh, then the, that is not about programming and making a machine do what you tell it. It is about the machine uh, being very agile yeah. and uh, going into um, fields where the human brain was yeah. the only operator before. I but mean, it will two, not be. Two questions. One is the, the theory that we're all in a video game. Yeah. The reason we can't understand infinity is because it's the borders of a program. We just haven't got enough 
intelligence yet to work that out. And of course, if we mm-hmm. if we are in a video and everything's for nothing, war, art, everything's for nothing. It's all bullshit. We might as well become nihilists, like in the Big Lebowski, and just you know. Yeah, but uh, and, I mean, where does it end anyway? Yeah. I mean, uh, so far, I mean, we know that what is it's sure that we will die. Yes. But that might also not be sure. I mean, in fifty or hundred years, what what happens when? If you don't die, I mean, yeah. do you how how do you think about uh, breeding children, and uh, which is basically why we're here to make sure that there are humans when when we die. Yeah. But if we don't die, do we do we think about that? And how do you teach? Yeah. Because I mean, people will keep their knowledge forever, and, yeah. and all the old timers who did everything will and notes everything will still be around. Yeah. There are lots of it's almost biblical. Yeah. <laughs> we're here 300 years in the future we'll be we'll be having uh, chips put into us soon yeah is that yeah. good um, and everything treated with responsibility is good and uh, I think that you never uh, underestimate how uh, people will not do good to you so I think you should be very very careful to accept yeah, every kind of uh, intrusion into your privacy, and I, I think that uh, most people who started use internet very early on have already broken all the rules that you yeah. that you when it comes to your how your identity can privacy, be used yeah. Yeah. Um, against you. If they can do it, they will do it. Yes. So where are the checks and balances? Where is the where is the global corporation that comes to your business every? six months and monitors what you're doing to make sure you're not becoming an evil um, Ozymandias type character um, there is none no there is none no. is that a worry um, I don't know who would who would do it I think um, I can and uh, the way that they are setting up kind of United Nations for the internet yeah. and how, because there are, there are things happening on the internet that no one is responsible for yeah. and people at the end they go to the UN to ask because it's like that's uh, the ultimate father or mother that yeah. you can ask about okay please help us solve yeah. this problem yeah. the no UN of course famous it. for not solving anything and just talking about it yeah I mean no, so I can with uh, like the organizer of the, the internet protocol and yeah. the owner of the protocol is big. They, uh, they try to solve it. I mean, Are you optimistic or pessimistic? Um, uh, it, it alters. I was super happy when um, uh, Tesla, uh, when they revealed their battery, because storing electricity is very important. Yes. It's actually one step towards something that can. Help. Can help us with energy in the future, which has a huge technological and political significance. Yeah. So and but uh, no, up and down. If you if 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 Facebook could come up, they could start a currency. Yeah. Like in a couple of years, and that would have a huge impact on the way that we're trading and everything. Yeah. And just by starting to trade services between that, you and I can trade. Oh, barter. We, yeah, yeah. And barter, but then, then it's like in in some countries you pay with. Your phone credits, right? Yeah, yeah. And that is outside the possibility to control from the central the banks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, and uh, with Facebook as such a big imprint, so of course a lot of things can happen there. And we just, just have to hope that people with that kind of power uh, are it. going in a positive direction. Yeah. 
have to hope. I'm not sure. So you you mentioned at the very top of the podcast that you're very involved in the culture, which is as a, you know as a CEO, I agree with that. CEOs should be about two things: strategy and culture. How do you keep from the whole adage of the bigger we get, the better we get? How do you, how have you stopped that from happening to be real? I don't know if we it's, if we succeeded with it, but we really try hard. Yeah. So uh, by really trying to hire people that uh, are feel. They feel like good people. Yeah, they feel like great yeah. personalities. They should be great at doing what they're doing, but uh, also like you know, truly nice, good players. Yeah, it's the biggest yeah. problem I had in the app business. Just that it turned into this kind of rat race where where we, within big companies, people at the same level were encouraged to kind of compete and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. There was you know, uh, monetary, very clear monetary controlling puppet strings rather than yeah. creative person controlling. And and I think that what's happened is that the people who leave those companies are the people who can. Yeah. And you're left with people who can't leave you, and you don't attract people. You know, I think that's what's happening to the ad industry right now. And yeah, I think so too. But uh, it's it's sad because I think there's a there's a beauty of a really well-run uh, creative entity that there uh, is that, that takes something from real life and move it into and create its own world, and that conveys a message that then have effects in the real world I and mean, yeah. people start to do things and talk about yeah. things and buy uh, buy goods and so on it's tough to work with uh, in an organization that is so geared towards uh, profitability but if you are on a stock exchange and then you have to deliver yeah. to the market all the time I just talked to some people working in a very modern uh, media uh, organization that is global they have weekly calls the only thing they talk about is numbers and sales and yeah, clients, which is probably very smart if you want to sell a lot. Yeah, and, we, and, and I realize we have uh, our, the our calls. They are about ideas. Uh, yeah, but the cool products that we're done yeah, and yeah. Uh, what we're talking about the clients and how can we be better at at uh, picking up uh, like new technology. We're always super uh, worried about missing out on big stuff. Yeah, I want to comment when you said that you're you're you're, you're if we had a strategy. That we really have an idea about how how the world would be. We have no idea how to get there, and then we're just trying to get in the water and swim, and then and then adapt and react when things are happening and take opportunities when they arise. And most of the people have been real. We're 170 people now are waking up and say, "Wow, that's a piece of technology now coming up." And then you suddenly realize that something will change, and then you don't really know how it will change, and then you dive in with all you have to understand what is happening what is not happening and I think there's always a risk to not understand when something's coming up and there's, it's, a, it's a big percentage of fad in it it's something that yeah. is not it's not tangible it's the smoke yeah. and mirrors around everybody's talking about it last question I'll let you go what's the what's the um, the one piece of advice you would give to a kid today a 19 year old in Sweden or Ireland or America or whatever who's who's going this is all too hard what would you what would you say to them yeah, I I, um, I don't know. I was talking to some to to uh, to a guy that I know who wondered why, which university he should go to, and I I think it's, he's one of those natives that just grew up with everything uh, computerized and cell phones and and everything connected all the time, always on the internet. And for him, I don't I don't actually know if he would in, at, at this point benefit from going to university is so talented so he just go out and try out things and meet yeah. people and the world is is so tangible you can you can i mean three people in a in a basement somewhere 
can come up with something that is disrupting a whole industry. Yeah. So I think it's like going after if you have a passionate interest in something there, if it's music or if it whatever it is, like um, if it's about maps and geography yeah. or city planning or everything, just like dive down and follow what you what you are interested in, and with the help of the infrastructure and the the, the the power, the technological power and the reach you have today, something good will come out of it. Right. And you can always go back and and and, and uh, do your MBA somewhere. Do your MBA, or <laughs> you know, go pick classes that you want yeah, to follow yeah, yeah. on 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 in in uh, at Stanford or wherever you are in the world. Yeah. It's or amazing. Singularity it's, University, maybe. Yeah, it's good to know that as we move towards the singularity and as we start embedding chips in our brain and fucking ourselves up, that there are some nice people in the digital space who are at least a little bit concerned and hopefully a little bit moral and ethical about it. Anders Valkus is one of those. Okay. Thank you so much for coming on the show and the best of luck with your company in the future. Thank you so much. Pleasure.